0: Let us pray. Our most gracious Father, once more meet us. Renew our hearts, renew our minds, renew our ears, that we might hear, and that by hearing we might come to faith. And in coming to faith, know your promises fulfilled in us. So draw near, O Lord. Draw near and make us yours, that we might. Reflect your son our Lord Jesus Christ to this world and it is through that son that we do ask these things Amen Amen. So as I said there at the beginning of our service today is the baptism of our Lord the Sunday in which we step back to remember that Christ has been baptized and we may wonder why was Jesus baptized, and I hope to answer some of that question today in this sermon. But I want us to reflect and just take a moment to think about why this happens for us, why we remember it during Epiphany. Epiphany is January 6th, 12 days after Christmas. And that is the day, as I said, that we remember that Christ was revealed to the wise men, the Gentiles who came from the East who traveled following a star, a star unlike any other star in the heavens, for once they reached Jerusalem and had inquired of where Christ was to be born, where the Messiah was to be born, and they were pointed toward Bethlehem, they went there and the star came and settled above the house itself, to where they knew which house the new king was residing in. And there in that moment is the revelation of the Messiah to the Gentile world. For they are the representatives of the Gentile world. Coming into Bethlehem to worship Christ as King. Beginning that great and glorious fulfillment that is all over the Old Testament. Throughout, especially the book of Isaiah. Of God bringing the peoples into his city. Bringing the peoples into his kingdom. Bringing the peoples of the world into his very people. To come alongside the people of promise. And for the Gentiles to then be... Come, people of promise. They represent that reality of God doing that. He is manifesting himself before the world by manifesting Jesus before the world. And in much the same way, this day of the baptism is a manifestation before all those gathered at the river. In fact, in the Eastern Church, this is part of the day of Epiphany. They recall and look at not only the wise men coming, but Jesus' baptism, and alongside Jesus' baptism, the wedding at Cana. All three of those are integrated together into Epiphany. All three of those are recognized as three of the primary ways that God first revealed himself through Jesus before the world. Because in those events, God is declaring who Jesus is. In those events, the world is recognizing who Jesus is. And in those events, Jesus is accomplishing his mission, doing the very things that he has been called to do. And here, especially in baptism, Jesus is doing something special and unique for us. For baptism is not for Jesus. For as we heard even in our text, John said, I should be baptized by you, not you, me. But Jesus insisted on being baptized. And the reality is, is, it is because Jesus enters into baptism in order to save us by taking our sins onto himself and walking before the Father as the perfect one in our place. Yes, in baptism itself, in Jesus being baptized and Jesus submitting to this baptism of John, that is for the repentance of sins, as a baptism into repentance that all the other people have come to, Jesus goes to do that. The one who doesn't need it just as Jesus is the one who according to his divine nature and to the perfection of his humanity is the only one who doesn't need circumcision because of what circumcision ultimately represented. But he does it to be identified with the people of God to be incorporated into the law that had been given to the people of Israel and here God had given this new way of entering in before God's presence to John the Baptist and sent him out. To proclaim repentance through baptism and all the people went out and all the people confessed their sins and in a way all the people had their sins washed away into that dirty river jordan and there jesus steps down in that water and enters it in order to save us by taking our sins and the first thing that we hear in this that as jesus went to jordan to be baptized by john There in verse 14, it says that John would have prevented him. We hear about the prevention of Jesus from being baptized. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, but do you come to me? You see, John knew Jesus to a certain degree. He knew the stories about Jesus. But we know from the gospel of John, the gospel of St. John, that John was sent to baptize in order to reveal the Messiah, in order to find the Messiah. So while he knew these unique stories about Jesus, about him in some way being divinely conceived, he knew of he himself having the Holy Spirit from before his own birth, that when he came into the presence of Mary while she was pregnant with Jesus, he leapt in the womb of his own mother Elizabeth and filled, and caused her to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He had some glimmer of the reality of what Jesus was and who Jesus was but he had not received the full revelation the fullness of this reality that Jesus was the one to come and so he can say I need to be baptized by you recognizing that in something in some way Jesus is greater than him as John has said before I am not worthy to untie the sandal of the one who is coming after me And so John would prevent Jesus recognizing that Jesus doesn't need repentance Then all this whole moment, it beginning to dawn on him and being revealed to him that Jesus is the Messiah. And that being fully answered at the end as Jesus comes out of the water and the Holy Spirit descends on him and rests so that he can then later on say, I saw the Holy Spirit descend and rest upon this man. And he is the Messiah and he can proclaim the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world knowing that that is what the Messiah is coming to do. And Jesus answered, let it be so for this, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. To fulfill all righteousness, he says. What is this righteousness? It is the law itself, that Jesus came to fulfill the law on our behalf. And part of that law for him as the Messiah was to become identified with sinners. To become connected to them, to become united to them. To take upon himself his very sin their very sin not his sin he has none but to take upon himself their sin and so coming to baptism coming to this place where the sins are being washed away where the people are repenting and turning back to God where they're turning around and confessing that they need salvation that they need forgiveness that they need to be cleansed and washed from their sins Jesus comes to identify and to become a substitute for the people for this is the beginning and the entrance into his ministry to come down into this water to receive the baptism that all those sinners had received not because he needs repentance but because he desires to take upon himself their identity to take upon himself the reality of their sins and carry that burden through his ministry to the cross One Lutheran pastor years ago, and I'm sure some of you have heard me say this, it's like Jesus is a great big sponge stepping down into the water and soaking up all that sin that was sitting in that water, all that dirty sin. He soaks it up upon himself in order to step out and to move toward the cross. And John begins to recognize that reality. And that he is part of that reality. He is not a co-redeemer, but he is simply the one that God had chosen his vessel To bring about this reality of Jesus' substitution. To let Jesus step forward. To let Jesus become the Messiah. To be shown forth as the Messiah, I should say. To be manifested before the world. And that John is part and parcel of that. Knowing that he is the one who is to baptize and to see the Holy Spirit descend. And in all of these things, as I keep talking about baptism... It would do well for me just to step back for a moment. As John had tried to prevent Jesus from being baptized, but then baptized him. What is baptism? Where did it come from? I know growing up, it always seemed like it just came out of nowhere in the New Testament. But it's not an unheard of reality. For throughout the Old Testament, God had planted the seeds of baptism, you might say. This connection of salvation and water. And baptism is just a new application of that reality that water and salvation are brought together. That life itself comes from the water. Going all the way back to even Genesis 1. You might not think, you might think, that's a strange place to think about baptism. But there in Genesis 1, we have the waters over the entire face of the earth and the Holy Spirit hovering over those deep waters. The Spirit of God being connected there at the beginning with the water. The Spirit hovers over the water. And this is the very water that God will call forth land to come out of, upon which we all live. Without this land that came out of this water, we would not live today. None of the land-dwelling animals would live. But even later in verse 20 of Genesis 1, God says, calls forth life out of those very waters. And so there, life, Spirit, water are connected together even in creation. The waters brought forth life, as well as the land. And it's important because for the Jewish people, for the Israelites, water was a place of chaos. They were not a seafaring people. They avoided the water. They avoided the Mediterranean Sea. They never built great vessels to go sailing across the ocean. It was the place of chaos, the place of disaster. Storms could whip up out of nowhere. It was untrustworthy, and yet... This place that they so often thought of as untrustworthy is the very place that God brings forth life. Yahweh tames the waters at creation and brings forth the land and brings forth the sea animals, brings forth all of the land-dwelling animals. Yahweh made the waters do his bidding, and his bidding was to bring life into this world. And in that connection, St. Ambrose reminds us that out of this water life came But for us, out of the water, grace is to come. Grace is to come to us now through baptism. And of course, after that, there is the picture of the flood. There, the flood washing away sin. And yet, through that washing away of sin, lifting up in the ark, eight souls to be saved. And St. Peter connects that to baptism. And then one of my favorites, jumping forward to Naaman, who is a leper. was a Gentile who came into Israel looking for Elisha looking for the great prophet that he might be healed and Elisha speaking through his servant told him to go dip himself seven times into Jordan River which Naaman was furious about because he had better waters where he was from why not wash there but his own servant finally said it's just dipping yourself in water do what he says trust him he said you will be healed and so he does and Naaman was healed and there in that water he came to faith. He came to new life. He is converted by ordinary water to which the promise of God has been attached. Water and life and salvation and spirit that brings that life are all near to one another in the Old Testament. And even more so with the Jordan River, of course, is the crossing of Israel into the land, the promised land, to, to lay hold of it to lay hold of that promise that God gave them, and so they crossed through that Jordan River. And likewise, Elijah and Elisha one crossing over it to leave the land so that Elijah can ascend into heaven. And then Elisha crossing back over into the land to begin his ministry with a twofold gift of the Spirit, with a double portion of the Holy Spirit to bring salvation, to bring proclamation, to bring the reality of God into the land. And so, baptism is a place of salvation for us, a place where God's promises are given to us because Jesus has been baptized. God has linked this all together throughout his creation, throughout his Old Testament that he gave to us. And here, John the Baptist simply comes forward taking all those realities being led by God himself to then bring this water as a pouring of life upon the people to call forth repentance from them, to wash them from their sins through that repentance. And so Jesus is baptized in this same way in order that he can then take those sins to himself so that he can pour out his life at the end for us so that we can then receive it. And so Jesus enters into the water to be baptized. John consents to baptize him. And in verse 16 it says and when jesus was baptized immediately he went up from the water and behold the heavens were opened and he saw the spirit of god descending like a dove and coming to rest upon him the spirit descends as john said over in the gospel of john 133 he on whom you see the spirit descend and remain he is the one who baptized with the spirit So the Holy Spirit is given to Jesus in his baptism to strengthen him, to build him up according to his human nature in order that he would go forth and become that one who gives the spirit to all. The Messiah is the one who is to receive the Holy Spirit on our behalf in order that he can then give that very spirit to us who believe. As we heard in our Isaiah lesson today from chapter 42, my chosen In whom my soul delights I have put my spirit upon him the Messiah is to receive the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is to descend upon him in order that he could then pour out that spirit upon those who come to him to those who have been given to him by his father I love what this one Lutheran commentator Charles Schaeffer said as the dove first announced to Noah that the waters of the destroying deluge had abated So this dove announces that salvation has come into the world. You see, Noah sent forth that dove, and it went, and it pricked an olive branch and brought it back so that Noah knew that the floods were going away. He knew that salvation had been accomplished and that God was now restoring the earth, renewing all things as that water abated. And so here, The Dove descends, the Spirit descends in the form of a Dove to tell us that salvation is coming into the world and that this Messiah is going to accomplish it for us. Hence the fact that as we see the Spirit descend upon Jesus in His baptism, we know that the Spirit is linked to our own baptisms, that we ask and pray for God to bless the waters of baptism, that in those waters we might meet Him that in those waters His Spirit might come to us and begin His renewing work in us, begin lifting us up and drawing us out of ourselves, out of our sinfulness, and enabling us to live in that renewed heart, that renewed mind, that renewed nature that God gives to us as promised in Ezekiel 36. I will sprinkle clean water on them, and they will be clean. I will give them a new heart. I will give them a new spirit, He tells us. That sprinkling of clean water is a picture of baptism. That mysteriously through baptism, the Spirit comes to work upon us to renew our hearts. And it goes back to Jesus receiving that very Spirit in His own baptism. That the Spirit descended upon Him to declare Him as Messiah and as the one who would send forth that Spirit to all of the people of God. And so that the Spirit descends and rests upon Him, that salvation would come into this world. But even more than just a spirit descending upon Jesus, there is a voice from heaven. There is a proclamation that comes. The Father declares, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. My beloved Son. God the Father spoke clearly at the baptism of Jesus about who Jesus is. That public kind of speaking from God is a rarity in the Bible. It's one of those moments where I didn't realize how rare it was. Until I came across something that Bishop J.C. Ryle wrote. The only other time before this moment, before Jesus' baptism in Scripture, that God spoke publicly for everyone to hear was at Mount Sinai, the giving of the law of God before the people. And I think he's right. I don't think, I can't think of anywhere else in the Old Testament that God speaks audibly like that. He does speak to individuals. But never to a huge group of people does he declare himself in that way. Does he speak publicly? And here, for the first time since Sinai, God speaks publicly and aloud to the people with his own voice, not through another, but he himself speaks, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Sinai was the special occasion of the law being given, and here is the special occasion of the Messiah being revealed, the one who will bring Salvation, who is the gospel himself, who in fact is the very covenant of God to the people. Again, from Isaiah 42 today, I will make you as a covenant to the peoples. The new covenant that God creates in Jesus is Jesus himself. And through Jesus, he comes to renew our hearts because Jesus is the beloved son, the one with whom he is well pleased. And I love how Isaiah phrases it the one in whom my soul delights Jesus is the center of God's joy in this way Jesus is the one who perfectly accomplishes God's will Jesus is the one that God is so well pleased with that God says I will pardon I will love I will save all whom he presents to me he and he alone my begotten son is the appointed Savior of the world the one with whom i am well pleased my chosen one in whom my soul delights god says jesus is the one in which the father delights he is overjoyed at his son taking on flesh becoming a human being perfectly fulfilling his will and now with this entering in to his ministry and his work of salvation he is a servant the perfect servant who will accomplish god's will the Very plan that God had made that the son planned with the father for they share one will They are one in that way and yet two persons The father can delight in the work of the son for the son will be that suffering servant that Isaiah speaks of who will fulfill The perfect will of God on our behalf He as I said is our substitute the one who stands in our stead to suffer the wrath that our sins deserve though he has no sins of his own He comes to a baptism of repentance, needing no repentance, but perfectly standing before the Father to receive the very Holy Spirit that we need, the very Spirit that the Father is ready to pour out upon his people. And thus, in that proclamation, in that baptism, the Trinity is revealed. As the Spirit is poured out, that Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, and the second person receives him for us. He is received, the Spirit is received, that he might be poured out through the Son. And in that pouring out, unite us to God himself. That we might become partakers of the heavenly life that is rooted in God himself. That is why Jesus receives the Spirit for us. So that he can give us the Spirit. And then we can discover and live with that heavenly life from God. And the Father is life, and that life has been given to us by the Son. And given to us through the son He gives it by receiving the spirit for us We don't deserve that spirit we don't deserve the indwelling of the spirit because of our sin, but Jesus receives it on our behalf because we can't And in receiving him on our behalf he walks forward toward the cross to take our sins from us so that we can receive the spirit by faith So we can receive the promises of God through baptism and that spirit is most certainly the promise of God to us Through Jesus the spirit is gifted by his grace The father sends the son sends the spirit to the son and by the son and through the son the spirit is given to us He renews us day by day because Jesus received him as our substitute, but not only as a substitute but as our representative He is our substitute by standing in our place and taking our sins, but He is also our representative before the Father by being the perfect one. He represents us by receiving the Spirit in order to give the Spirit to us. To give us the very righteousness we need in order to receive the Spirit. We get that gift of the Spirit because Jesus gives us His righteousness through that Spirit. In Isaiah 63 it says where is he who brought them up out of the sea with the shepherds in his flock? Where is he who put in the midst of them his Holy Spirit who caused his glorious arm to go at the right hand of Moses? Israel Here is given the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is poured upon them as God leads them out of the sea and through the sea and Israel failed because they refused to truly be the people of God. And thus God called forth a true Israelite in Jesus. God brought forth his own true Israelite by sending his son to be born of Mary. These words from Isaiah 63 point to Jesus. They point to the true Israelite that is to come. Who gets the Holy Spirit and through him gives us that very spirit that we would become true Israel also. That we would be incorporated into the people of God. And so Jesus dies for us. Jesus enters into baptism to save us and takes our sins onto himself. And that means that we must die through baptism. His baptism means the death of ourselves in the death of the Son. The Son takes onto himself that which is rightfully ours, our sin. He takes our death. He takes our judgment by the Father. And then He gives us the very life that He has in Himself. He unites Himself to us by His baptism. And in our baptisms, we become united to Him. Our baptisms are wrapped up inside of His baptism. We get renewed over and over and over through faith in the remembrance of our baptisms. In our baptism, those gifts were presented and promised to us. And as we remember that baptism, we are renewed by those gifts. For we are united to him by our baptisms, the one who died for us. And by that death deals with our sin that causes us to die. He trades himself for us. In his baptism, he takes on to himself our sins again. And carries them to the cross so that in our baptisms, We might receive his righteousness and receive his life. And walk in that life now to the Father. Walk before the Father with the life that is Jesus's. And so Jesus has taken baptism onto himself. He has been baptized for us. He has been baptized to take our sins from us. And then to walk before the Father that we might then be united to him and walk also before the Father. And so rejoice this day that Jesus has been baptized for you. Rejoice this day that he receives the Spirit for you. Rejoice this day that in his baptism he has taken your sin unto himself. And rejoice that in that taking of our sin to himself, he gives to you his righteousness. And so rejoice that Jesus is baptized for you this day. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen.